What's going on, everybody? My name is Sandy Berkson. Welcome to the Resurrection of the Views from the Kicks podcast. In just a few seconds, I will be joined by our friends Jack Bryan and Coach Buck Buchanan. It's good to be back. Had a lot of fun doing this episode. Hopefully, y'all enjoyed as well. But before we get to the episode, we're going to hear from our friends at the Splitting Uprights podcast real quick about how to do your own podcast on Anchor.fm. All right, well, now that y'all know about Anchor, maybe you'll consider doing what Jack and I did with the podcast and start your own using Anchor. It's really easy, but hey, let's not waste any more time. Let's get right to the episode. All right, guys, welcome back. So, Coach, right out of the gate, I wanted to mention this. This is the first time, and we've done a ton of shows. This is the first time we've done a show where Jack is an official Hendrix alumni. That's true. That is true. <laughs> so we are I thought, all you were heads. I thought you were just going with, uh, this is the first show we've ever done where we're not actually together. <laughs> That's true. You know, but hey, once a warrior, always a warrior, warrior in spirit. But coach, what I wanted to say is, now that Jack's got his diploma, one thing you told me when I got my diploma was that the word wisdom is not written on the back of that diploma. So just because you have it doesn't mean you've acquired wisdom just because you're a college graduate. There is a point to that. So what my question to you, Jack, is going to be, we're going to see if you've actually acquired wisdom since you graduated. So I'm going to ask you the simple question. Is Senior Tequila still in your top five for Mexican <laughs> restaurants in Conway? Here's the thing, okay? Using my Hendrix wisdom, a little bit of math, I'm not sure there's five Mexican restaurants in Conway. So, yes, I think it stays top five. Top three, yes. Number one, depends on the day. <laughs> D-Day. <laughs> because they ain't getting A, B, C. <laughs> but, I think yeah, that true. one day – you know, we need to do a podcast at Senior Tequila, have them bring us out a few food items and uh, see if Coach Buck really hates Senior Tequila. I think, or maybe a blind taste test from what? What's so funny? I'm going to have to be, I'm going to have to be blind if you drag me down there. <laughs> I'm social distancing at this point. Jack, you know, you're, you're a pre-med guy who's applying to med school. It's well known that one of the symptoms of the virus can be loss of taste. And I feel like that's the <laughs> only way in which Coach Buck would not be able to tell what was senior tequila and what was not in this blind taste test. Yeah, Coach Buck said he's senior social distancing. I'm not sure if he's distancing from the virus or just from the restaurant, you know, which, exactly. which is worse. Well, I don't know. That's a good question. I can't answer that. I'm not a doctor. Y'all are. So, or, or about to be. But if we're going to talk Mexican food, y'all are in Little Rock. I'm here. I should go there. We should go to like the Heights Tacos and Tamales or Chewy's or something like that nature. Then, then we could have a real, you know, good time, eat really good food. And then we wouldn't be at Senior Tequila's also. Coach, you and Mason Adams talking about Chewy's. I don't think that can be mentioned in the same, in the same sentence as Heights Taco and Tamale. Chewy's is nasty. What? What? You, you're going to call out Chewy's after saying that Senior Tequila? I, I, you must have been drinking too much Senior Tequila. That's what that was. <laughs> Chewy's, that bring, that Chewy's cannot be considered a Mexican restaurant if their signature dipping sauce is ranch. 
It is not ranch. It is not ranch. It's creamy jalapeno. There's a difference. And also, also, signature dipping sauce for every other place in freaking uh, Arkansas is cheese dip. Come on. Therefore, disqualified on all levels. It's called queso because that's what it's supposed to be, not cheese dip. <laughs> Sandy, I digress. Let's uh, let's break up this fight for now. We'll settle this at a uh, Heights Tamales and Tacos sometime. Maybe we can build a little studio there and do a show because uh, I don't know about Senior Tequila. Uh, Jack, we're going to introduce a new segment to the show. You know, since we've gone on this for quite a while now, we're going to do a little best and worst. Can you think, Jack, of the best and worst thing that has happened to you, or just the best and worst thing you've seen in recent memory? So let's think. Best thing that I've seen this week. You can even mention a certain wedding if you want to, going back a few weeks. Yeah, Charles's wedding, great thing that's happened in the last couple of weeks. You know, it's been pretty boring with social distancing, so I'm glad that I could hang out with the guys for a little bit and celebrate with Charles. The worst thing happened last night. I was watering some plants down by the pool, wasn't paying attention, and uh, walked straight into the pool, fully clothed, <laughs> just walked straight in. <laughs> Quality, quality. Yep, had my phone in my hand, got that wet, you know, you know, I had pants on, you know, full like, you know, all the way down to my ankle pants, not shorts. But yeah, I got those <laughs> wet. Not not a good time. Coach, let me jump in here real quick. I'll give you some of my best. So the Dallas Stars picked up a massive win the other night. We're setting up for a game six today uh, to take the series from Calgary. The Dallas Mavericks winning last night. So those are some of my best, but I got to give you my worst, and it's actually going to go back to Charles's wedding. I didn't mention this. So you and Coach Mrs. Buck had left the wedding already, but Charles, you know, after Bentley had thrown her bouquet in the back, he punted their garter into the crowd. So it was a great punt, but the problem is it went right up the middle. He didn't punt it to the right or he didn't punt it to the left. And I'm just thinking, you know, he got a ton of distance on it, but he outkicked the coverage and he put it right in the middle. So we got to work yep. on that in the offseason. Yep. And, well, the question is, I mean, Cole was there. Did he snap it? I mean, like, was it a good snap? I mean, or, I mean, did he have the ability to get, get you know, his angle or did, or was it, or was he rushed? You know, so, I mean, yeah, can't kick it down the middle. So, can't kick it down the middle. Don't give him a fair chance. That's right. So, Coach, how about you? You got any best and worst? Uh. Uh, you know, I, I, you know, it's, I, like I said last time, it's hard to live in superlatives. I just don't know if I have best or worst because I always believe things can be better or they could be worse. It's never as good, never as bad as you, it always is. There it is. But uh, I guess, I guess the best thing, the best thing that's happened in the last month is probably Chuck's wedding. So that's probably is the best thing. The, the worst thing is. Uh, the fact that we're not practicing and it's like 80-something degrees. That's the worst of the worst right there because it would be really nice practicing right now. <laughs> I think about that a lot, Jack, when I go on runs and I'm outside and it feels like it's October. It feels like high school football all over again. Yeah, I had to check my thermometer the other day. I'm like, man, is it? are we in September, October? You know, it's like 75 degrees, low humidity. Something's up. I like it, though. But coach, you're you're still the active member at Hendricks Football. Jack and I are retired now. So what's what's going on right now? Can you give can you give some of the current players and 
incoming well, freshmen and parents and all that kind of what's going on right now? It's going the same as you get retired guys. Nothing's happening here. That's what's, that's what's happening. Um, you can see we should be practicing. I'll show you a little glimpse of, uh, you know, uh, Crafton Faulkner field and from young wise Memorial stadium. Yep. It's out there and no one's doing anything. That is the state of the union. Uh, as a as as it goes, you know we're actually going to be meeting as a as a conference coaching staff tomorrow. Uh, we have a we have a Zoom meeting and hopefully we'll be solidifying the plans for the spring semester. Uh, right now, I believe it's going to look like you know playing probably five games in the East West Division. That's what's been talked about the most, uh, and then and then probably starting sometime in January. Uh, just depends on what all they what all they uh, what all they try to do to to make all the with everybody else. I don't know what everybody else's school schedule is. You know, I, hopefully we'll we'll be back on campus before the end of this semester. You know, UCA reports reported today their first day. Of, well, they didn't report, but their first day of in person classes were today. So hopefully, you know, Conway doesn't develop into a hot spot over the next couple of weeks. And if we can get through that, maybe we can come back to campus. And if we can come back to campus, we can have some opportunities to be together and practice a little bit and be ready for for the winter season. I was going to say spring. It's spring semester, but it's going to be winter season. So uh, it'll be like playing the playoffs in the NFL, I guess. Uh, so the, that's, that's kind of the state of the union. We're, you know, we're continuing to, to, to kind of push through. We've had uh, a lot of recruits here over the last few weeks because we're trying to front load that because again, we're anticipating being able to play towards the end of semester and the end of the, and the first part of next year. So, you know, that's the prime recruiting time that we typically have. So we've tried to front load that as much as possible. A lot like we, we did in year one when I was first here without football, um, you know, it's just getting a lot of people to campus. And, of course, the, the negative of that is we don't have players on campus, which is uh, what I feel like is the best part of our program. And so it's hard to share that part of people with people because we haven't gotten everybody on campus. So, uh, but we've had good visits. We've had really quality uh, time to spend with recruits. It's, it's, uh, it's really a chance to have a lot more one-on-one -on -one time than we do if we bring in groups over over the spring so kind of enjoying that and I at least get to talk about the program every day you know I feel for the recruits though because they don't go they don't get to go into the cafeteria and have your yellow cake no no yellow cake right now no no cafeteria we, we tell them out you know like we we really wish the cafeteria was open because you know we want to eat there every day too I mean that's that's the negative <laughs> So this conference call you're having, is it going to be via phone or Zoom? It'll be Zoom. Okay. Is there any pressure on you to dress up a little bit? Because, Jack, you'll remember this from when we played Sewanee. Their coach came out wearing, you know, Jordans, mm -hmm. Sewanee brand Jordans. So are you, trying, are you going to have to show them up in this Zoom call? No, no. Uh, tra Travis and I are good. We don't we don't try to outdress each other. But he he ha he has good he has quality shoe game. There's no doubt. But you know I just try to stick with the boots. But no one's going to see boots on a Zoom call. So it'll be all good. <laughs> I think we should move on to the real reason we're having this. So yesterday morning I was uh, just got back from a run. I was cooking breakfast. I get a call from Coach Buck. I'm thinking, what could this be about? I thought maybe he was fishing or something. It was not that early in the morning, but it was early in the morning. Um, so, Coach, what was your rant about? My rant was about the Texas Rangers, man. 
you know, and I'm a Rangers fan, and I've, I mean, even, I mean, we we had some hard times through the years, and we almost won a World Series, you know, it was should have, you know, but, you know, I probably was the most disappointed I've ever been in my uh, of being a Rangers fan is when you know all this thing went went on the other day about, you know, hitting the freaking grand slam when you're getting beat, you know, suck it up, you know, if you're you're either good enough to compete or you're bad enough to get your butt kicked. I don't know. I was just, I was, I was, I was not happy to hear that. Cause I mean, it's like you're professional, you're professionals. You get paid to do it. I mean, swing the bat, pitch the ball. Anyway, sorry. I didn't mean to get off on my brain. Like I was probably a little more, you should have caught me the other morning. I was, I was really on a rant. <laughs> no coach. I completely agree on this one. Uh, and then, you know, they're the Rangers manager, like, scrutinized them in the press conference saying that's not how he was raised. Um, the way I think about it is if you don't want a guy hitting a grand slam off you, throw a better pitch. It was 3-0. My philosophy is if it's 3-0 and, you know, everybody's thinking you're going to sit fastball, throw the nastiest pitch. You know, throw the backdoor slider, throw a 12-6 curveball. Don't leave a heater right down the middle of the plate for a guy to go deep. I mean, you don't want a guy hitting a grand slam, throw a better pitch. Well, I mean, look at it this way. I'm I'm with you, Jack. I mean, so so first of all, they're all professional, so they get paid to do the job. So you're you're either, you, I mean, you're supposed to be a professional. Be professional. This next thing is, how many opportunities you really get a chance to hit a, a grand slam in your life anyway? You know, like, I mean, you're trying to earn your chicken fry, it, Jack. You're telling me if your if I had a scholarship for you, if you hit a grand slam. Then you wouldn't try to go hit a grand slam. I mean, oh, that guy, that guy's gonna get paid more for stuff like that. So I mean, like, I mean, you know. So why wouldn't you try to hit a grand slam? I mean, plus you know he's got to come with a fastball. He, you can sit on it. You're up by six runs or whatever. Who cares? You know, the pressure's off of you. You got a free swing and you're and with, with not a lot of uh, you know recourse. So that's that's number one. The the next thing is. So if that's going to be the case, and I've never heard this argument in my life of somebody swung at a 3-0 pitch, had a long out in the outfield, and everybody, you know, and no one, no one, no one complained about that. I mean, like if he'd have got a fly ball to center field, it'd been like, well, I'm sure glad we got out of that. And he swung at a bad pitch. I mean, why, why are we just now hearing about this? if it's some kind of unwritten rule because I know a lot of, I've seen a lot of games where people are swinging on that. So, I mean, and granted, whether you're up by six or whatever, I mean, it's a fickle game. What, what happens if they come back the next inning and the Rangers would have scored six runs? Like, well, we had a chance to hit a grand slam. We had a chance to drive in two runs, but we, but we laid down a bunt because we were beating the crap out of somebody. I mean, I don't know. I just, I just don't agree with that. Yeah, I, I agree. And Sandy and I were kind of looking up some of the more uh, some more unwritten rules. And another one that I really got off on a tangent about is that there's apparently an unwritten rule that when a pitcher throws back-to-back -back home runs, you're supposed to take the first pitch of the next at bat. The probably the unwritten rule there is you're probably taking it on the chin. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the way I thought about it, I thought it was the unwritten rule that if he gives up back-to-back, -back, you're taking him out of the game. There's no – you're throwing another pitch. 
Yeah, well, I'm pretty sure the other part of that is there's just by statistics, it's like there's no way that guy's throwing another one over the plate. <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't know that. Like that seems kind of it just seemed like a real stretch. It seemed like it seemed like we're we're, we're getting some whining going on. That's all I'm, saying. I'm like. That's all mm-hmm. I'm saying. It's like it's like you know picking out the most random thing to talk about because you got your butt kicked. I've been on both sides of that coin. I, I, coin. I've, I've been in some games where you know what, it did not go the way that it needed to go, and you feel really bad at the end of the game. And you know what, I've, I've been apologized to at the end of the game, not as the head coach at Hendricks because we hadn't had a lot of those, but in some of my previous stints, there was a couple of times where we just didn't get it done, mm-hmm. and you know the coach comes over and apologizes to me, and I'm like, man, don't apologize for that, man. I had two guys there to tackle the guy. I, I can't. I mean, he ran 70 yards for a touchdown, but there was two guys that missed a tackle. I mean, what am I supposed to do? Like, I mean, I'm not going to go tackle the guy. I mean, you, it's not my fault. I mean, we had two guys at the point of attack. Mm-hmm. Your guy's better than our guy. Like, so, I mean, I'm not, uh, apology accepted, but you ain't got to apologize. If we're bad enough to get beat that bad, then we deserve to get beat. <laughs> Yeah, and then Sandy and I were talking, too. We want your opinion. What do you think about bunting and a no-hitter? You know, how late in the game is it okay, or if it's a close game, should you be able to bunt at any point? You know, I think I think that boils down to whether or not it's a close game or whether or not you need a base runner. I mean, like, there's a difference in trying to, to bunt to break up the no-hitter versus bunt to try to, you know, get a base runner and win the game. Mm-hmm. So it's like a 1-0 game. I mean, base runners count, you know, but if you're down by six, bunting to break up a no-hitter, I just – I don't know if that's such a nice thing to do. I mean, I like – I'm not saying – I'm not saying I might not do it if I didn't like the guy, but I'm just saying that <laughs> that, that I don't think that's probably right. Um, but, but again, if if it's 1-0 and it's a ninth inning and you, and you got a guy like Deion Sanders up there, mm-hmm. you, I mean, let's get that guy on base. We got a chance to get that guy around, you know. Definitely. Yeah, I agree. Now, for me personally, I don't think I would do that because I don't think I'm going to get on base by bunting and break up the no-hitter anyway. So, I'm probably personally not going to do that. <laughs> That's a good point, Coach. It, it, it really does qual- – it comes down to, you know, wh- what are the odds of – it's like if you have two on, if you have runners on first and second and you're down like four nothing maybe, uh, to me, I think that's fair. Like if there's no outs and you're trying to get a guy on third, I mean, I, I can see it. I mean, it, it sucks for the pitcher, but I guess it really does come down to – it's like you wish you could have a running total in your head, like the percentage – winning percentage chance for you at that time in the game. Like, you know, at this point in the game, you have a such-and-such such percentage of winning. It's like if you're under 10%, maybe you don't bunt, but – Yeah. Well, I feel like if I was a major league manager, I would know those – I would actually know those percentages. Um, but I don't love baseball enough. I mean, I like baseball and I, lo- I, I love playing it, but – I, there's no way that I, I, I'd love it enough to be a manager. <laughs> now, Jack, I've got one more unwritten rule to bring up. But before I do that, I will want to say this. You know, Coach, we've talked to him before about playing baseball in high school. What positions do you think he played, Jack? Coach Buck, I bet, did he play first? Uh, <laughs> well, the, he, he, he just asked the question. He didn't say what I played, right? In high school, I played – well, really, I played left out because uh, I played behind some really good players. <laughs> but I was, a, I was a catcher and third baseman. 
Don't you think, Jack, with how good he is at, at taking off his headset during games that he could be a catcher, you know, get rip off his mask real quick and make the play? Yeah, or the quick reflex to play the hot corner at third. Hey, I had a, I had a general rule. Tackle the ball, throw him out. That's it, you know. And, you know, I blocked third base like I was a catcher a lot of times. If they can't touch the base, then they can't get there safely. Good point. Now, Coach, here's the last one we wanted to bring up. Is there ever a scenario in which an adult should not give a foul ball to a child in the stands? Home run ball, too. Those count. I mean, if you're sitting by a kid, you probably should give the foul ball to a kid. Now, if it was a home run, if it was a record-breaking ball, home run, might change things a little bit. That probably would change something. I mean, like, I mean, if you caught Hank Aaron's, you know, last home run that's that'd be pretty hard to give up <laughs> yeah i think see i think you should give i think you should give the kids the the the, the baseballs so coach we were talking you, you know you mentioned earlier about the times you've had in your own experiences whether it be coaching or playing with etiquette in a blowout are there any unwritten rules in football that you can think of yeah, I mean, like, you're not supposed to be just throwing it down the field, you know, chucking it up the whole time when you're when you're ahead. But part of that's, you know, feel for the game or whatever because, you know, if they've got a chance to score and, and you know, then you got to kind of keep distance in yourself too. I mean, you're not you're – not, you don't want it to turn and, and you go stale and the other team gets the momentum, you know. So, uh, because, uh, I mean – there was one time at Louisiana College we were down forty-two to twelve, and we came back. And you know we were we were down forty-four twelve. We came back and and actually had a chance to win the game at the end of the game, and we lost the game 44-42. So, uh, you know, it's just you switching that switching that gear. You don't want to go so stale that you can't get what you want done, um, and you can't. Part of that is also how long you got left, and but but ultimately you're not trying to. <clears throat> throw vertical every play, you know, or run five trick plays at the end of the game, you know, when you're up by, you know, 21, 30 points, something like that. So, um, you know, we, we've been up by two scores and downed it, you know, when we had a chance to score at the end of the game. So, you know, in, in the, on the goal line or whatever. So you just try to do the best you can with that, but you also don't want to leave your, the door open for the opponents. And also in a similar scenario where you're up, you know, a lot in the second half, how do you gauge, you know, getting some of the young guys in there and being able to develop those guys and give them good looks in a game versus, you know, uh, just running it, you know, every play, you know, well, for example, like, you know, you want to look at a quarterback, but you don't want them throwing 40 yards every play. Yeah, that's, you can still well. I mean, you know, your whole offense isn't just vertical passing game every play. I mean, it doesn't mean you can't go out there and, and throw a hitch or you know run run a smash route and you know read the corner and you're trying to throw the hitch or you know stuff like that. But you're not going down there and throwing it every play. You know, um, and then it's always easier to get offensive players in to rotate than it is defensive players because you're you're protecting the lead on defense. You just don't – if they don't score again, they can't win at all. You know, on offense, you get a little more leeway to put people in and, and get some different looks and whatnot. And then every once in a while, you you know, you, you only have – you put Taylor Tibbetts in and, then you know, you're running RPO and he throws it up and we almost, you know, go over 900 yards 
on Chicago at the end of the game, you know. So, I mean, like, you, you know, you tell him at all costs, hand it off. You might throw a quick throw. But, no, he RPOs it downfield on the post, you know. Let's just chunk it up, dog. <laughs> it had to be Tibbs, right? Yep. It had to be Tibbs. So, Coach, when we were talking about baseball yesterday, it started getting to discussions about your days playing softball. And not long after we were talking, I Jack texted me, and he said that you seem like the kind of guy who might break up a double play in church league softball. Do you have a response to that? I, I don't think I've done that. I really don't. Uh... I'm not going to put it past me. I'm just, I just, just, you know, if it, the game was on the line, probably, but like first inning, no, I wouldn't do it in the first inning. But I mean, again, you got to play to win the game, but I, I wasn't, typically you don't really have a chance to break up double plays, you know? So now when I played shortstop in, in, uh, in, in, church, in, in softball and church league, whatever, I mean, if you were in the way of the double play, then you're going to get hit with the ball because I was bringing it. So, I mean, it's so the runner's – the runner has to get out of the way. So, Coach, outside of your, you know, high school football playing days and then at Austin College, who's the most competitive guy that you've played, you know, an exhibition game with? You know, outside of Austin College? Outside of your football playing days. Uh, probably Coach Stone, Lance Stone. Mm-hmm. He's he's probably the most second most competitive person or the most competitive person that I've that I've played with. Uh, I, I mean, and of course, I mean, Coach Batson and, and Coach Neal were pretty bad too. But but Coach Coach Stone, so Coach Stone and I, we played church league basketball and we played summer league softball. And we we did all that stuff together before you know when we were back in Louisiana. So uh, yeah, we 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 played to win. Not going to lie to you. So uh, I, I think I give him the, the nod in that regard. And then also outside, or where am I going with this? Um, in church league or, you know, adult league softball, how many pitches can you look at, you know, if they're out of the zone? Because I've heard that if you're looking at more than two or three pitches, you're not there for the right reason. Again, it's a play to win situation. Like, first of all, I mean, you already start out most of the time with a one, one count anyway. So, I mean, you're only going to get a few pitches to start with. But if the pitcher's struggling, don't swing at a bad pitch. Don't swing at a bad pitch. Good point. You know what? I mean, yeah, I want to hit. Everybody wants to hit. You're there to hit. But if the pitcher can't throw a strike and can't throw it across the plate, why are you getting outs? Because you're swinging at bad pitches. Don't swing at bad pitches. So, I mean, if you're not going to throw a strike, I'm not going to swing. Mm-hmm. That's a fair point. I've just heard that, you know, guys who are trying to work the counter, get a walk in softball, or the softball guy that Jim Rome talks about that, you know, he obviously is saying that you want to avoid. Well, I mean, that if, if you want to go play in the D-League, go play in the D-League. I mean, I'm just saying. But, you know, I was going to play to win. And you know what? If it game's on the line, you dang right I'm taking a strike. I'm going to make them – to pitch to – I'm going to make them give me two strikes before I swing the bat. Because, you know what, base runners matter, score matters, and, yes, I want to win the game at the end of the game. I mean, okay, if we're out there for batting practice, 
I'm going to hit everything you throw across there. But you know what? There's a scoreboard at the game. And if there's a scoreboard, that means you got to win. It means you got to have more points than other, more runs than other team. So, what's the what's the goal there? You know, do I want to have fun? Yes. Do I want to do I want to go out and you know fellowship with everybody? Yes. But ultimately, I want to win the game with everybody because everybody feels good when you win, right? Yeah. Now I'm I'm not I'm not going to lose sleep about a loss, but I'm not going to be happy about it. Anyway, I'm sorry to disappoint you, Jack. <laughs> oh, no, you're not disappointing me. I just thought Jim Rome threw out some interesting points. I'm like, I'm perfectly fine with, you know, taking a few pitches in softball, but if you're consistently up there seeing, what is that, six or seven pitches, you might not be out there for the right reason. So here's the deal. So I pitch in softball too, or I did. If you throw strikes, they ain't looking at they ain't looking but three pitches. Good point. So, uh, to me, that's the pitcher's fault. They ain't got nothing to do with the batter. Now, Coach, I got a question for you. I know you're a real – we know this. You're a very competitive guy. If we got into – you know, because the faculty does uh, a basketball game uh, for Alliance of World Health at Hendricks, my thinking was we could do another event, which is sponsored, I, I don't know by who, where we get Coach Amy Weaver, the head softball coach at Hendricks, we get her at the plate, and you're on the mound. Do you go for the strikeout, or do you have to appeal to the boss here and maybe throw her a meatball? Well, first of all, I can't pitch in fast-pitch softball. I can't throw underhand like that. So I'm already at a disadvantage if that's what we're playing. But if we're playing slow pitch, I'm, I mean, I'm not I'm, – I'm trying to – I'm trying to throw strikes. I'm not – I'm not going to let anybody win, no now, matter who that is. Now, if the roles were flipped, if you're at the plate and she's on the mound, you know, is it a bad look for you to go yard to take her deep? First of all, I don't think I can because I'm pretty sure she can sling it by me. Because have y'all ever tried to hit a fast pitch softball? It is, it is, it is harder than hitting from a from the mound at you know 90. I think no, it's just way. It. It's way too – it's really fast and really close to you. It's not like having that guy out there, you know, it's, it's different. It's different. And the release point's different. And the ball goes up instead of down. So, I I've seen the, definitely I've seen the it's, uh It's quick. The, the amount of time that you have to decide if it's a ball or a strike is a whole lot shorter than, you know, a guy pitching at 60 feet, 6 inches in baseball. Yeah, I'm going. I'm going down, but I'm probably going down swinging. So she probably could pitch three bad pitches, and I'm probably going out like that. <laughs> yeah, I need to make a qualification on this one. You know, if Coach Weaver's listening to this, in no way was I suggesting that she couldn't strike you out, Coach. I, I guess I meant like, you know, do you have to? You, know, you don't want to show up the boss, you know, if that opportunity came. But I, I mean, yeah, I would put my odds on her striking you out, honestly. Well, I mean, like, well. Same would go with if, what if I was playing against you guys? I'm technically I was technically your boss. You're telling me you wouldn't try to knock me out of the yard? Come on, man. I just know you'd. Uh, you want you'd, me to be proud of you or not? It wouldn't be any walk off. <laughs> so I know if we took you deep, you'd you'd make us come back and do it again until you got us out. <laughs> we know how this works. Might not get a pitch to hit. Mm -mm. 
But Jack, I wanted to mention this real quick. You know, I mentioned that basketball game that they do every year in the faculty. I think it's an unwritten rule that Coach Buck's not allowed to play. Can you imagine going up for a rebound against him, like President Arnold going up for it or Dean Wilchin going up? I feel like they're coming away with a bloody nose or something. Yeah, it's it's going to be a scramble down there, you know, in the low block, the low post, whatever you call it. I guess. Yeah, I, I, I don't play contact sports with, with other people anymore. It's just best. I mean, I sometimes play, you know, the 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 uh, the soccer game with you guys, but you know, other than that, it's best if I don't play contact sports with other people. Yeah, I've I've seen what that looks like in action. For when I was in high school, we did our senior retreat at Petty Jean, and in the pool they would do water basketball. Now, never mind the fact that half the team can't really swim, but uh, they got them out there anyway. And our head coach, man, I mean, he was out there to win, and he was dunking people you know, trying to get the ball going hard. And so I've seen that in action. And I'm appreciative of you for for going easy on us sometimes by not playing. Like, you're selective in how you play. So w- when I was at Louisiana College, we, we, played, we played water aerial ball, which was tackle football in the pool. Basically, the only thing off, not all, all, the only thing off limits was your neck and head. Everything else, it was if you were under, you were down, but you could continue to throw the ball for it, all that stuff. It was, it was pretty violent, but it was fun. <laughs> so, Coach, going back a little bit to talking about unwritten rules, this is kind of outside of the scope of Hendrick Sports. What's the unwritten rule of fishing? I've heard that, you know, if you're going to fish, you know, in a tournament, how close can a boat get that still is within the acceptable range? Well, there's usually directives in the in the tournament uh, rules about how close you can get, and usually that's you know an average you know 50 feet from a from an anchored or non-anchored boat, and like 25 feet from an anchored boat. You know, it just depends on that. But typically, like if I was going up or going close to somebody, I would ask in that situation, "Do you mind if I go by, or you know?" Um, which way are you going because I, I was planning on going around the corner right here or whatever. So you, it's part of that is just is being able to ask. There's a lot of, I do get very frustrated with that on, in the, in the real world because a lot of people don't do that. Uh, I know when I'm, when I'm around other people, I just straight up like, you know, I ask, but most people don't do that. It's, it's, it's pretty frustrating. It's a little bit um, because you could be fishing an area uh, it's kind of the unwritten rule that, you know, you're given a certain area to fish in those tournaments. And if you've already been there, you know, uh, not, not to say that if somebody doesn't get there first, you deserve to fish there because that's where you've been fishing. That's different. I mean, if somebody gets there first, they're there first, but you know, to go in front of them after they've gotten there, that's, that's where you, you just draw the line. And I've been in a couple of situations where like I was in a, in a at the end of a, cut or buy you and a boat try to go by and uh it was me and a uh, one of my former defensive linemen at Louisiana College who was about he's about at that time he's probably about 285 he's two-time all-american anyway he's in the bottom he was down in the boat trying to get something out of the bottom and this guy kind of popped off and then Vic stood up and we're standing there and that guy just tailed off after that I don't think he I don't think he wanted because there was about to be two people jump jump ship so Anyway, we fished that area. Let's put it that way. 
but yeah, that, that is sort of unwritten rules. You know, you try to be, you try to have some etiquette out there and, and let people have their areas. All right, coach. We're, I think we're going to leave it there with the fishing. You know, we can only go so far when I'm on the show, you know, if it was <laughs> you and Jack, you can go for hours on end. Um, I think next time when we come on the show, I know there's something you want to hit on. And I mean, it's out of left field and we need to give you a lot of time to talk about it. Cause I know you're passionate about it. Student loans. Student loans uh, yeah. is something Coach Buck wants to hit on. So we'll give him that yeah. space next episode. Wow. We've got to, got to wait a whole episode for that, huh? Yeah. I mean, for student, you want to hear Coach Buck talk about student loans? I mean, that's I – mean, I think I'd tune in for that for sure. Yep. Well, well, it, it'll be on the next podcast. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, I do, have, I do have recommendations. Put it that way. But. I'm not. I'm not anti-student loan. Just for to get that out there, I'm not anti-student loan. I took out a whole bunch of student loans to go to school, but I am. I am, I do think that you know there are some avenues that we could really help our students in our country. But anyway, what I know, I'm just an old nose guard that plays some summer league softball and doesn't doesn't uh, choose to just go out there for fun. Mm -hmm. It could be worse. You could be an old kicker playing softball. So that's that's true. I could be, but. Probably not because I never kicked. I'm just an old snapper that does it, right? <laughs> there you go. Hey, but, you know, as of now, Arkansas is scheduled to play high school sports. So what I'm proposing is I think when North Rock and Central coach, if we, if we actually are able to make it that far into the season and they play, I'm proposing you come down, we recruit those schools, you know, maybe Heights, Tamales, and Talkers or something, and we talk about Jack, one of our favorites, the unwritten rules of wearing Letterman's jackets and when it's appropriate <laughs> to wear a Letterman's jacket. Never. <laughs> it's definitely not appropriate when it's 90 degrees. I'm just, I'm just putting that out there. And I'm not wearing mine, if that's what you're talking about. I'm not wearing my Letterman's jacket. No. Hey, <laughs> it might be 90 degrees outside, but when it's North Rock and Central getting together, more importantly, when it's Jack and I getting together, it's 200 degrees. It's like what Freddie Mercury sang about, you know, Mr. Fahrenheit. Now, I was counting on you there, Coach. <laughs> I would, I just, I'm drifting off into the wind on that one. 